Well, again, thanks for being here for part four of our sermon series, Best Gifts Ever. We're taking a look at God's amazing, eternal, glorious gifts, um, gifts that are outlined uh, in John chapter 114, which we'll look at in just a moment. But uh, we live in a world where, where there is a shortage or a deficit or a struggle to recognize truth. Honestly, it's not a new thing. Um, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was on trial before Pontius Pilate, Jesus said to this Roman ruler, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth, Jesus said, listens to me. To which Pilate replied, what is truth? I think we can kind of understand him, can't we? Kind of get his skepticism. You ever been tempted to ask, what is truth? It's so hard to determine these days, isn't it? Well, actually not that hard. All you have to do is Google it, look on the internet. There you'll find the truth, right? Okay, uh, maybe not. Um, well, actually, uh, did you hear that famous quote, that everything on the internet is true? Abraham Lincoln said that. Yeah. Um, so it, we, I think we recognize, yeah, there are, there are lies on the internet. What is true? What is false? It, we don't really know. Have you heard about the deep fakes? So they can actually create videos now, uh, a politician, a celebrity, whatever. Um, there was one about Tom Hanks that was out relatively recently, um, where it looks like them, it, it sounds like their voice, they are saying words, and yet it's not actually them. They didn't actually say these words. So you, you can see this, and you have to wonder, is that really them? Is this a deep fake? Is it something that's made to look like this person or this celebrity? What is the truth? It's, it's really hard for us to know. But hey, at least we have AI now, right? Just go to ChatGPT, ask your question. It'll spit out a beautiful, nice answer, which of course is truth, right? Wrong. <laughs> See, the problem is that the, the, the AI was made by flawed human beings, and it was trained on data created by flawed human beings, and so it's no more accurate than we are, is the problem. And if that's not bad enough, sometimes it's less accurate than we are. Have you heard of AI hallucinations yet? I don't know how this works. They didn't program it into it, but every once in a while, the AI will spit back something that is false, and it will defend itself. If you push back or you, you, you uh, type back some alternate uh, facts or truth, it'll, it'll defend its answer to you because it's, it's called a hallucination. It's sure that what it's saying is true. So you know you can't even trust the AI that is out there. So whether it's partisan politics, you know, after every time there's, there are some uh, debates, the next morning, the news media, they review what the people said, they do their fact checks, and find out that a lot of the facts don't check out, that there, there wasn't actual truth said, or it was a partial truth, or it was just an outright lie, that that happens no matter what persuasion of political party you might like, uh, they don't always speak the truth. In the classroom, the teacher who reads the student's essay, did the student really write it? Or was it produced by ChatGPT? What is the truth? We're not sure. When you listen to your favorite news outlet, do they have a bias? Do they have an agenda? Do they have a backer? Do they have something they're trying to push or a product they ultimately want to sell? What is the truth? Who really knows? So, what is the truth is a valid question today. Um, it's no wonder that, that it seems like most people in our world today have switched to a relative truth or a moral relativism. In other words, most people in the world today think because truth can't truly be known, 
You need to decide what is true for you and then live according to your authentic self, your truth. And they need to do that and you need to do that and she and he. Everybody needs to think through what is their truth, what is their standard of right and wrong, what is your own morality, live according to that and that's just about the best you can do. Truth is relative, which when you think about it, doesn't that really sound a little bit more like opinion than truth? Right? So, what is truth? How can we know the truth? So, here's the irony. People today, every bit as much as people in the past, do yearn for truth. They want to know what the truth really is. An absolute standard. And yet, it evades us. Right? The word of the year, uh, Merriam-Webster released this uh, a week or two ago. The word of the year is interesting. It's Authentic. Authentic is the word. Not false or imitation. That's what authentic means. Not false or imitation. True, right? Authentic self. Authentic truth. Authentic Mexican. Um, Whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Authentic is a word that was used and looked up uh, probably more than any other this year. People are yearning for the truth. So what is truth? Does it even exist? What if it did? Can you imagine just for a moment that there was absolute truth, that it was revealed to us and we could know it? Would that not be the best gift ever? The truth of the matter is, God does reveal absolute truth to us. And that truth of God is revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been looking uh, over the last few weeks at a single verse from Scripture that is so deep, so rich, it takes five sermons to truly cover it. And that verse is John chapter 1, verse 14, where we read this. The Word became flesh. That's talking about Jesus. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You'll notice I underlined the words for you because that's been the topic of each one of our sermons over the last few weeks. If you've missed any of those, you're going to want to go online on YouTube and listen to it. Um, And there's one more, by the way. I didn't underline it because I got to keep you guessing. Otherwise, you won't come back next week for Christmas Eve. Uh, But there's one more, and I bet you could probably guess what it is, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, But today, we're going to be focusing on that last word in this verse, the word truth. Jesus came full of completely full of grace, which we heard about last Sunday, and truth, what we're talking about today. So what is truth? I think we kind of need a working definition to be able to discuss this further. So let's use this one. I've got a two-part definition. The first part of my definition of truth is this. Truth is the way things really are according to God. Is that overly simplistic? I like simple. What is truth? Truth is the way things really are according to God. Did you know that our perceptions, our assumptions, the way we view the world is imperfect and incomplete? Um, Our perceptions are not always accurate. When I was a kid, actually even still, I love optical illusions. Anybody like those? Um, I, I had a whole book of optical illusions. I think I got it from Scholastic in like 7th or 8th grade and loved looking at the optical illusions. They're interesting because to your eyes, things appear one way, but then you read the little paragraph description that says, no, actually what you're seeing 
isn't there or isn't real or isn't quite like it appears, and it's actually like this. For example, maybe you've seen the, the optical illusion with two parallel lines, and then the way it's designed, it looks like it's bulging out in the middle, and the, then you read the paragraph and it says, they're not bulging. Those are actually two perfectly straight parallel lines. Get out a ruler and check. I did. They were perfectly straight. Like, wow, that's, that blows my mind. They look crooked, but they're not. The way things really are is that those are straight parallel lines. Or you look at these dots and they appear to be moving, but the truth is they're not moving. Go ahead, push pause on your YouTube video that's showing this optical illusion. They still look like they're moving. Um, but the reality is that they're not. It's just an optical illusion, a mistake in our perception. The way things really are are different than the way they appear. So what is truth? Truth is the way things really are according to God. God reveals to us what truly is. And we can trust him. So we have this group at, at uh, 922 Ministries. meets three different times a year. I start this group called Starting Point. It's for anybody that's kind of checking out the Christian faith, checking out the core. What do we believe and teach here? Um, I, I've had a subtitle for that. Uh, every, that it kind of changes every once in a while. I've called it Starting Point Basic Bible Christianity because that describes what it is. I've called it Bible 101. That kind of describes what it is. But I think, I've, I've thought about this several times, actually. I've, I've thought about putting the subtitle, starting point, Reality 101. The way things really are, according to God, is what we are looking at in this starting point group. As we go through the Bible and we see the way we are, the way God is, who Jesus is, what happened at the beginning, what happens at the end, we look at what God says about reality. So just a quick plug for that. Next one starts January 14th. If you haven't gone through that yet, I invite you to join the next round. Just write starting point or check the starting point box on your communication card. Okay, so the, th the way things really are, what is the other, I've got a part two to this definition. It, it kind of just completes it a little bit better. And that is this, truth is God's unchangeable standard by which all things are measured. God's unchangeable standard by which everything else is measured. If you have a ruler in your home, it's 12 inches long, and it doesn't matter what you are measuring with your ruler, it is 12 inches long, and in that standard, you can measure anything against it to see its length. God's truth is the unchanging standard by which everything else can be measured, which is amazing because we live in a world of changing standards. The world's morality is constantly shifting. If you would have asked or pulled or spoken to the culture, the people of the 1800s in America, the early 1800s in America, and asked them about slavery, you would have heard one opinion about slavery. If you would have done the same thing at the end of the 1800s, the majority would have said something different. The standard changed. We're glad it did. If you would ask people in the early 1900s how human sexuality should be expressed and what is the right way, you would have gotten one answer. If you would have pulled people at the end of the 1900s, the 20th century, the end of the 20th century, you would have gotten a completely different answer. Things have changed completely. But here is the truth about God's truth. It doesn't change. His standard revealed in the Holy Scriptures is unchanging. And that's actually a good thing. But here's, here's the thing about God's truth. There's two, two basic things I want you to know about his truth before we end today. And the first one is this. God's truth is harder than you ever imagined. 
Okay, so as we study God's truth, when we look at his holy expectations, when we see what God considers right and wrong, the truth is that God's truth is harder than we ever imagined. We would like to think that um, instead of God's standard being here, let's, let's just say it's here instead. And instead of comparing ourselves to what God says is right and wrong, it's so much more convenient for us to compare ourselves to others or to compare ourselves to our own standard. Would you agree? Like, am I perfect? Oh, no, of course I'm not perfect, but let me tell you about my brother. (laughs) I am so much better than him. I've actually got two. I'm not saying which one. Um, Or or, or what about, you might say, am I the perfect neighbor? No, but... Let me tell you about my neighbor and what his dog does in my yard all the time. Oh, I don't let my dog do that. And, and comparing ourselves to other people, we can feel better about ourselves. Or if we compare ourselves to our own standard. Am I perfect? No, of course not. But, oh man, you should have seen me in college. I was a mess. And I have come so far. And I have changed so much over the years. I have so much better than I was now. And so we compare ourselves to ourselves, we compare ourselves to other people, and we start to feel better about ourselves, except God says, you're not using the right standard. My truth says, compare it to my standard. There's a passage in the Bible that says, be holy. There's another version of it that says, be perfect as, how how perfect? Be as perfect as your neighbor. No, that's not what the verse says. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy, is what it says. His standard is the absolute. And when we measure ourselves against that standard, don't we have to admit this is harder than we ever could have imagined? God's truth is perfect, and it is absolute. Let me share some scripture with you. John chapter 3, 19 to 21. This is one of Jesus' closest friends. He wrote this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world and people preferred to not hang out with Jesus for the most part. They they wanted to separate themselves from him. They ultimately condemned him because they knew that compared to God's standard, there was evil in their hearts and they preferred to remain in the dark. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be, uh, it, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Living in the truth of God requires coming into the light, and that is harder than we ever imagined. My wife and I were on a trip to Africa back in October, and we were staying. Uh, we were uh, at a missionary's house for the evening and having great discussion. It was finally time to go home for the evening. They were going to take us back back to where we were staying, and we go out to the car to to get in. And he says, "Wait, before you get in the car, um, come to the front of the vehicle here. I'm going to turn on the headlights. Let me show you what something that you're going to see." And I thought there might be a little critter scurrying by or something. He turns on the headlights, and to my horror, there were hundreds of cockroaches this big that just went scattering away as soon as he turned on the car headlights. I had walked out of the house, not looking much at my feet or caring what was around my feet, but as soon as those lights went on and I saw the cockroaches scattering the whole rest of our time in Africa when I was outside in the dark, 
I was always doing this because I was sure there was going to be a cockroach crawling up my leg at some point. Um, but that light exposed, it, show, it, sh- it showed what was already there, and it was scary to see what was there. A.J. Swoboda, he's the author of a book called A Glorious Dark, he said this, light is scary. It exposes the monsters. Or he might say it exposes the cockroaches, right? That's scary. He said, it's impossible to accept this love of God, yet simultaneously reject the truth of our unfaithfulness. We would love to accept the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. Yes, I want that. But it would be convenient if we could just ignore the fact that we are unfaithful, that we've got cockroaches crawling around in our heart, that we are sinful people. I don't want that. I do want this. And and this author and the Bible agrees that's not possible. There must be both. You see, the challenge for us is that it's so easy for us to see the sin in other people's lives and to stand in judgment of that and to all the while be ignorant or ignore or justify or rationalize or blame the the sin that's in our own heart and in our own lives. For example, it's very easy for us to to think think about the person that's that's struggling with alcohol and just can't seem to get past that, they're an alcoholic, or, or the person that's the drug addict that keeps going back to it, or the person that has a gambling addiction and they're blowing through their, their life savings, or the person that's got a porn addiction and just can't seem to stop that. And if you don't struggle with those things, to say, well, I, 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 why do they do that? They're, they're such, such evil people. Um, how could they? Because I could never. So I, I've been a pastor for many, many years now. Whether you believe this or not, it is true that every single one of you and me are one step away from destroying our lives. We are one step away from a complete disaster because I've seen it again and again and again. But instead, we like to feel confident in ourselves and we'll cross our arms and we'll say, That guy had an affair. They're in the midst of a divorce. Those kids are so poorly behaved. I can't believe it. I could never. Or you hear about the student caught cheating. Or the accountant caught cooking the books. Or the employee fired for cause. Or somebody in jail for any reason. Well, I could never. I can hardly believe what they did. I would never. Careful. We're all one step away because those cockroaches are in each one of our hearts. And when we step into the light, when we step into God's truth, it's harder than we ever imagined. And it all comes to light. In the Bible, there's a verse that says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Yeah. So what's in your heart? It's a tough question, right? Not not what's in their heart. What's in your heart? What are you struggling with? what, what, What attitudes are lurking there that nobody else knows about? What thoughts go through your head? What words have come out of your mouth? What, 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 what is your addiction that you struggle with, that sin that you keep going back to? 
God is bringing us into the light this morning. I know it's uncomfortable. But Jesus says, I got to tell you the truth. And it's harder than you would have imagined. It leads us to do what we did earlier in the service, and that is to fall before our God and without excuse, acknowledging what's in us, each of us individually, we say to him, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But have mercy on me, a sinner. And I don't want you to leave with that heaviness in your heart. So I got to share part two with you here. And that is this. God's truth is also better than you ever hoped. And this is where it's just simply impossible for us to cleanly separate grace and truth. So last week, Pastor Mike teached a, a beautiful sermon on grace. Go back and listen to it. Um, that, that was, um, I told him A-plus for that sermon. I don't grade his sermons, but for me, it was an A-plus. But go back and listen to that sermon on grace. So beautiful. But the truth is, he talked about truth. <laughs> He couldn't help it. He had to. And I'm talking about truth today, but I can't help but talk about grace because the two are connected and I can't separate them. And the truth is that God's truth is also about his grace. And his grace is for you. You've heard this verse before, but i got to share it with you again. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world, for so God so loved, what's your name? Fill, fill in the blank. Put your name in there. For God so loved you that he gave his one, and only, his one and only son. What did he give his one and only son? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That would be the only truth. And it would be right if he did. But he sent his son into the world to save the world through him. And that's the part of God's truth that is better than you ever could have imagined. You are forgiven of that sin. God forgave you, even though he saw the cockroaches. He didn't get grossed out and run from you. He didn't banish you as he could have. He ran to you, he embraced you, and he found a way to get rid of the cockroaches for you. And that's what the Lord Jesus did. Appreciate his sacrifice. When Jesus went to the cross, can you imagine him covered in cockroaches? If every one of your sins is a cockroach, it's, it filled your heart. Jesus said, I will take them from you. He was covered in them. He went to the cross and he paid the penalty. He, he cleansed you. He exterminated them all. And so you stand before God clean, pure, holy, beautiful, child of God. That is the truth that God wants you to know through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's beautiful. And it's better than you ever could have hoped. God didn't love you so much that he changed his unchangeable standards. That's how some people view the gospel. God so loved the world that he doesn't require as much from you. He just requires as much as you can give. So give it your best shot. That's not the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, not to lower his bar, but to keep the bar exactly where it was, but to raise you up so you meet his holy standard. In Christ, you are clothed in him, holy, blameless, and pure in God's sight. You are perfect. You are a saint in the eyes of your God. And that is some incredible truth that God shares with us. And when you know this, and when you believe this, and, and when you are cleansed of your sin, and you know Jesus did it, and you know what it cost him, that gives you a new view of God's truth. 
It's not something scary anymore. It's not something that makes you run. It's something you embrace. It's something you seek. You recognize the beauty of it. The truth is that lies hurt. Lies destroy. Lies separate people and ruin things. And that's why the devil is the father of lies. But the truth will set you free. The truth brings you into the light. The truth is beautiful. The truth restores. The truth heals. The truth is what we embrace as we follow Jesus. If this is Jesus and that is sin, you cannot say, I love Jesus and I want his forgiveness and I'm going to keep on sinning and doing all the wicked things that he hates. That's incompatible. Jesus came full of grace and truth, both of them complete. So, this final truth, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we can't separate them and we can't take one without the other. And yet we sometimes do that. And when we do, we run into problems. So let me just explain that. What happens if you have grace without truth? And what happens if you have truth without grace? Both are bad. Both do damage. Both are harmful. If you have grace without truth, what you get is permission to sin. Grace without truth is permission to sin. I'm forgiven of it all anyway, right? That means I can continue and live however I want to live. Jesus forgives it anyway. We're going to see how that skews our perception of God and we don't see him accurately. But just as damaging as the second one, that truth without grace is permission to cancel. Truth without grace, if you only have truth, that's permission to judge other people, cancel other people, not forgive other people, and that's also reflecting on your view of God if that's how you think of him. So to help us visualize the, t- the two errors here, the two problems, if you, if you miss one or the other, um, I've got some pictures. Uh, two of the three are created by AI. It actually worked pretty well for me. So the first one, I'm going to put a picture of a grandfather playing with his naughty grandchildren. Grace without truth is permission to sin. Grandpa goes over to the kid's house. Mom and dad are off on date night. They are monsters. They are destroying the house. They are literally damaging the house that will need repair once they return home. And grandpa is like, oh, they're so cute. Look at what they're doing. Isn't that special? Isn't that precious? That's grace without truth. And I find it very interesting that in the Bible... I have never heard a single passage in the Bible that refers to God as our heavenly grandfather. I am one. Yes, we are permissive. (laughs) And we embrace grace more than truth. But that's not how our heavenly father is described in the Bible. He is grace and truth. And this is not an accurate picture of what God looks like. And if we embrace that picture of God, then we're going to remain in our sin and I've heard so many people do this. Yes, I, I, I know this is wrong, but I know I'm forgiven by Jesus. Therefore, I can continue in the wrong. And I continue, continue to do these things that Jesus hates because he forgives me anyway. Wrong. You can't pursue Jesus and do what Jesus hates at the same time. His grace forgives you and he empowers you for godly living in line with his truth. Truth and grace go together. Okay, so what is the image of God then if you have truth, but you miss the grace? I would say it looks something like this. This is not an AI-generated image. I could have picked from thousands of images because in medieval times, um, this is actually an 11th century uh, mosaic uh, that comes from Athens, Greece. Um, Eastern Orthodoxy has all kinds of icons where Jesus looks a whole lot like this. Angry, mad, scowling, 
because you have not kept his truth. And you better try harder or you're going to hell, for goodness sake. You better try harder. That's what happens when you have truth without grace. And it makes Christians start to look the same. You know any Christians like that? That get really judgmental, that are really proud of themselves. They think that maybe they've started to get pretty close to this standard, but they sure haven't. And let me condemn them. And, and they, they, they get angry and they get mad at everybody and they start wagging their fingers at people because they, they hold to the truth, but they fail to see the grace of God for themselves or the grace of God that he wants us to apply to others. So we get this skewed perception of God with truth without grace. So what does Jesus really look like? And I, did, I wasn't sure what, to, what image of Jesus to put up on, on here for, for this last one. So I, I went to AI. I didn't think I would get anything usable. And I put in, create an image of Jesus full of grace and truth. Here's what came out. <laughs> Honestly, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I, th- I, think it I think I see both. Okay, so you see, you see those golden rays coming out from Jesus. Does that, that reminds me of his truth, his holiness, his power. Okay, he is God. He is truth. But look, at, look around the heart of Jesus there. See that red amulet? I'm not sure what that is. But, um, but behind it, I see a cross, right? And the cross reflects the grace of Jesus. I like it that at least he's not scowling. So maybe this is a good image of Jesus full of grace and truth. But it's at the cross of Christ that the truth and grace of God come full bear and both are fully reconciled so Jesus could be fully grace and truth. The truth of God. Sin is ugly. It must be paid for. At the cross of Christ, it was. God loves you. He's full of grace. He wants to forgive you. At the cross of Christ, he rightly can because Jesus took your payment and he paid for it in full. So friends, I pray that you grow in your love and appreciation for Jesus who is full of grace and truth. Is that truth harder than you ever imagined? Yeah, I I think it is. At the very same time, is that truth more beautiful and is it better than you ever could have hoped for in Christ Jesus, full of grace and truth? Yes, yes, it is. So God bless us with a lifetime of study and absorption and love and praise to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Best gift ever. Let's pray. Please stand. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that this message today hits people in in very different places. There are some here today that came in really struggling and carrying a really heavy burden, a heavy load, um, and your grace speaks to them, that they are forgiven, that they are not um, filled with shame, that they are beautiful in your sight, that they are your children. There are other people that that entered in here today, a little bit of pride in their hearts, thinking maybe they kind of got it all together, and God's probably a little impressed with them. And your truth today set that straight, that there are cockroaches in the heart, and your truth reveals them and shines a bright light on them. So I pray that that if somebody came in like that, that they, they leave today a little bit more humble and more appreciative of your truth and then also your grace. 
So Lord, uh, help, help this message to sink in, help us to ponder it, to keep thinking and reflecting on it, and to strive to live in this world as Christians that reflect Jesus so that we are both full of grace and truth. We pray this all in the name of our Lord and Savior and all God's people said, amen.